When I was attending Vision Expo West a few weeks ago, I was just about ready to hop on a flight back to Burlington, Vermont, and I just decided I'm going to go to the convention center one more time, even though I'm exhausted, maybe a little, even had a little too many drinks the night before at the Odie's on Facebook party. And I wandered over to a section called the Springs, and it was like this very innovative section of Vision Expo with really small eyewear vendors. There was leather cases for eyewear, some technology-based eyewear over there. They came across someone with a, a really silly name for an eyewear brand, and it's called Spilt Milk Eyewear. And they had a eyeglass case in the shape of a milk carton. I thought, this is the weirdest thing ever. I'm just, it drew my eye to that, mainly because I, I kind of like some oddball stuff occasionally, or oddball design, industrial design or fashion design. And uh, I met Judge. So I have Judge here, and we are going to talk about bringing humor to luxury eyewear. Welcome to the podcast, Judge. Welcome to Entrepreneur, the podcast for Wizards of Eyes. I'm Dr. Raymond Brill with my co-host, Harry Brill, and we're here to bring you stories about Wizards of Eyes. Yes, what is a wizard, Dr. Brill? Well, these are folks that you may have heard about, may not have heard about. These are people who are actually very successful in doing what they do in all aspects of eye care. We're not talking to self-proclaimed industry geniuses, experts, masters, or gurus because we're talking to wizards of eyes that make it happen each and every day. They are out there working every day in the labs, on the road, in the practices, in surgery suites, making lenses, making frames. Yes, we want to hear these back-of-the-house stories about innovation, entrepreneurship, and make you feel excited to do what you do. We want you to be energized about the whole eye care field. And this is not your big optical program. This is done out of the passion of our hearts. Please go ahead and subscribe to Entrepreneur, the podcast for Wizards of Eyes on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or your favorite app. Also, visit entrepreneur.com where you'll find our latest blogs and special video content. That's www.eyetreprenur.com. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Judge, you didn't grow up in the, the eyewear world. You actually studied fashion at Parsons, and that's in New York, right? Yes, yes. So I kind of started my career in fashion. I knew that I wanted to, from a very young age, actually, I, I always knew I wanted to design something. So my dream was to be a clothing designer. I went to the best design school in the world, and I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. Ultimately, after graduating, I realized... I didn't want to just design mere objects, but I wanted to design an experience, hence uh, the creation of spilt milk. Awesome. Let's define what spilt milk is before we go down this longer path. Give us the origin of the name, please. Yeah. So it's based on the phrase, don't cry over spilt milk. So don't get stuck in the past, live in the moment. You basically have this one moment and make the best of it. Everything that happened in the past, don't hold on to. So 
we're all about bringing humor to the luxury eyewear market. As you kind of mentioned, like the sunglasses come in a milk carton. So our consumer's immediate reaction is to laugh. That's kind of what we accomplished when creating the brand. And then it kind of leads into, you have this confidence inside you. We're just here to let it out. So the moment you put the glasses on, you should feel invincible and like ready to take on anything. Yeah, and I, I got to admit, when you try these sunglasses on or even my bombics, and these are showstoppers, but not only are they showstoppers, they're wearable because a lot of time, let's say you go to H&M or some department store and you get what I would call fast fashion. Your product is not fast fashion, right? No, it's not fast fashion. <laughs> okay. It has so much funk and flair to it, but again, it's wearable and it's comfortable. I want to get back to this whole fashion part of you going to school. You know, what do they actually teach in fashion school? I don't know how I don't know how fashion can be taught. I always felt like it's inherent in your body. You know, you, you grow up with it. So how do you actually hone in on these skills in, in a schooling environment? It's funny because, you know, that's a complex that every fashion student kind of deals with. You go to the school, you're learning technical skills. And for instance, Alexander Wang went to Parsons and then he dropped out and started this multi-million dollar brand because it was an innate skill that he had. And as you said, like, it's not something that you can really teach. So at Parsons, you really learn the technical skills of design, illustration, craftsmanship, like attention to detail. So initially, when I was studying apparel, I was learning the craft of creating clothes, and then the whole conceptual side. So they really, at Parsons, they really dig deep into the concept behind why you're doing something. So down to the button and the zipper, like there has to be intention behind it, you know. And so while I was in my training, there were so many moments where I was like, is this really something I want to do? I'm not really good at creating clothes. You know, sometimes like I would just put a button on something because I liked the way the button looked and there wasn't an intention behind it. And so you learn so many things. And I kind of just realized that, you know, I wanted to create an experience. And I, I said that it's more than just clothes. It's more than, I was always about empowering. That was really something that was, that sat well with me. And I wanted to create a brand that empowered. And it's funny because when I graduated, I launched a women's wear brand and it was for like the upper east side, like older person, silks that are from Italy, detailed like beadwork, like hand sewn in India. And it was so serious. And I was like somewhat living vicariously through this customer, the spilt milk customer, you know, like they were jumping on a plane, they were flying around the world, they were living their best life. And so I realized this is something that empowers and this is what I meant to do. Online forms for your EHR, do you have them? Can your patients get a notification before their appointment that they need to fill out their patient information? That includes demographics, medical history, patient questionnaires, and then all that information is funneled right back into your EHR in the correct fields. Whether it's OfficeMate, Revolution, Crystal, Liquid EHR, Ifinity, 
Uprise, you name it. There's a new company out there called OptiExpress, and they specialize in developing custom online forms that sync right back into your EHR in the correct fields. Do you even know how much time your front desk spends typing addresses and birth dates and medical insurance cards into the right fields? Probably two, three, four hours a day. It's ridiculous. And then if the patient shows up late, the whole exam process is just backflowed throughout the whole day and people are waiting. You need online forms if you want to increase productivity in the office. Plus, patients don't want to sit there 15 minutes before an exam filling things out. They want to do it on their mobile device ahead of time. So, what are you waiting for? Get in touch with OptiExpress. They will custom build it for you. So, the process is you send them your current forms. Just scan it in, send the PDF, take a picture of it, whatever. They will build the form for you show you the proof, and then sync it with your EHR with their awesome machine learning technology. This is not too good to be true. You need automation in your practice. Go to the link in the show notes to learn about OptiExpress and how they can help you increase your efficiency within your practice. And they do all the other normal stuff like appointment reminders, online schedulers that sync with your EHR, reputation management. Frankly, they were founded by an OD and he developed this company out of the frustration of things that he did not have with other systems. Go to the link in the show notes to get more information. You'll be glad you did. You mentioned something. You said the word technical skills. What What is a technical skill when it comes to fashion design or construction? So basically, you learn just like tech packs, measurements, how to fit things to certain body types. For instance, we were always taught Imagine communicating this garment to someone who doesn't speak a word of English. So the whole like translation is in like symbolism, is in numbers, measurements. So it's almost like a formula. So if you're to send your garment overseas, someone should be able to replicate that garment based on a technical drawing. So you learn the technical skills behind that. It's crazy because there's a lot of things that as a consumer, you don't realize go into creating a simple t-shirt that you're wearing. And so I actually think that helped me when creating the eyewear brand was because the attention to detail behind Spilt Milk is incredible. I mean, and it's funny because for me, that's second nature. I think about every little detail. And when we were showing at Expo, a lot of people were like, oh my God, like, there's so much detail involved and we didn't even realize that. And I was like, oh, well, of course, like you have to take into account every detail on the frame. Right. So we're going to talk about your, uh, I'm sure you had some type of epiphany or 2 a.m. event where you're like, you know what, I'm going to do eyewear, I'm going to call it this name. But prior to having this thought, have you had experience with eyewear? Did you uh, wear glasses growing up? Do you have any correction? No, it's funny. So I was the only person in my family that didn't wear glasses. I always wanted to, and I always tried to like mess up my eyes. Like I would stand really close to the TV. I would, <laughs> I would try to at the sun. I, I didn't even know how to do it, but I was, I really wanted glasses. Okay. So during your kind of research process to begin an eyewear company, did you come across the, the corporate structure of the world and, and realize that we got the Luxoticas and the Marchands and the Marklins. How did you know you wanted to go super niche? And how did you know that was going to be a good business idea? Because everyone says in quotes, money's in the niches. 
But money, it's also hard to get into the niches. So I'm a designer first and a businessman second. I didn't think about the business side. I just wanted to create something unforgettable. I wanted to create an experience. If you saw the first series that we created, it's so over the top. And the silhouettes are something you've never seen before. The frame shapes are super innovative when it comes to some of the colors that we picked. And, and that was something that, and it's funny because I think back on it now and I'm like, you know, if I understood the eyewear business, I would have obviously done things differently. But in my mind, launching the brand, I was launching an eyewear brand for the aesthetics to create this kind of new thing that you've never seen. Got it. So what was there an epiphany? What was that moment you're like, spilt milk eyewear, humor, fun shapes, good amount of color? What was that moment? So my business partner, he's a lot more relaxed than I am. And we're sort of a yin and yang, like I'm the more neurotic, detailed operations person. And he's kind of the more like conceptual brand side. So we kind of work well together. And he actually used to say to me, don't cry over spilt milk. <laughs> so I would be like, this was due yesterday. We needed to get this done yesterday. And he would be like, judge, don't cry over spilt milk. Like, relax, you know, it, it's fine. We can figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah, I'm that's like, me. That's me. I yeah. try to be relaxed in some nature, you know, just because you, you didn't get a shipment out on time. Yeah, you're going to get a dirty email, right? Yeah, exactly. It's not I'm here, like, but you know what? It's not like we're delivering uh, respirators to the hospital. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so basically... That's really how Spilt Milk was born. And, you know, it's it was funny because you talk about epiphany. When I met my business partner, we kind of were thinking about the brand and we were really coming up with different ideas and different names. And, you know, we had three names lined up and it was the night before we were going into production. We were getting the frames made and it was like, I think it was like 2 or 3 a.m. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, this is not compelling. Like, this is not... It's funny, the whole brand story stayed the same, but the branding changed. And then I told my business partner, I was like, the foundation of our brand is don't cry over spilt milk. And then I was like, we should have the brand be called Spilt Milk and have these milk cartons. And then the designer in me was like, oh my God, we could flip this. We can. And I remember like the team was just like milk cartons and spilt milk. Like, no, that sounds so odd. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, just hear me out. Hear me out. And so, yeah. you know, I'm so blessed to have a great team where they trusted me. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like an ice cream brand. It could be, you know, at Whole Foods. And yeah. stuff like okay. So let's talk about the manufacturing process. Cause you know, a lot of people here may want to start an eyewear brand. Okay. So how did you find manufacturers? How did you know they were quality? Talk about the communication barriers. And how did you know you're not going to get ripped off? So yeah. So start with manufacturing. Day one, you're like, I want to make glasses. Now what? So I am a master at pitch decks. I can digitally render pretty much anything. So I created a full pitch deck of spilt milk. I created all the shapes. I superimposed them on like Gigi Hadid and all these like celebrities. And, you know, I put it on like magazine covers and I created the packaging. So I, I basically created this like 15 page deck. I printed it out. I put it in a nice binder and I told my business partner, listen, my sister and I are going to go to Mito and we're going to pretend that we have an already existing brand and we're going to find our manufacturer that way. So 
my sister and I fly to Italy. We go to Mito. We are there for the three days meeting every single vendor because as you said, manufacturing is a process. And I, as a designer, like the detail and the quality is the most important thing for me. So, and my, my business partner loves to buy luxury. So like quality is very important to him as well. So we went to Mito and we actually met our manufacturer there. And it was nice because you had like a one-on-one kind of engagement with him or with the factory. And so we were able to really understand, he was able to understand what we were trying to create. And I think that was immediately the synergy between us. So this was what, 2017 or 18 or? Yeah, it was 2018, like mid 2018. And we took a minute to kind of like get it all together. I mean, I had like a hundred designs that I had to like cut down to like 10. So yeah, it was 2018. Okay. So you meet the love of your life slash your designer, <laughs> or your uh, manufacturer, <laughs> brings it to fruition. And then you make some prototypes, I'm assuming? Yes. So it was our first collection. So we had like multiple versions of created. And the thing is, I wasn't in the eyewear business. So I didn't know that, you know, when you get your first prototype, it's made in like a not so great quality. So yeah. it was like, oh my God, this is horrible. I don't want it in this material. Like, and I remember going through them and like literally ripping some of the temples off and like being like, I want it to look like this. And I would like tape it and I would send them pictures. And finally, I mean, after a lot of trial and error, we like perfected the frame. Okay, cool. What country of origin are these coming from? Japan. They're all handmade in Japan. Okay. Now... I'm big into brand and and you guys nailed it. POP, point of purchase presentations, it's generally in the form of like tent, cardboard tent. That's really crappy. We also have really unsustainable acrylic blocks, which I think are just totally dumb. Uh, But this is just me being really observant at this stuff. You have a piece of artwork almost, and it is literally a milk carton. And it's sturdy though. It's made from like high quality materials. And what really stands out is just like fluorescent pink <laughs> writing. <laughs> Tell us about that whole box design and what went into that. That was crazy. I mean, I went through seven different manufacturers. It was funny because they didn't understand what we wanted to create. Like, because the run of the mill box, you know, there's a lid and there's a bottom. And I was saying I wanted a magnetic box and you know, the magnet, we started with Velcro and then Velcro didn't sit well and it felt cheap. And then the material, as you mentioned, it's in like a thicker cardstock. I literally referenced a balloon, like one of those balloons for the quality that I wanted the logo to be raised in. So every single time we got a a prototype sent to me, I would then like rip it up and I would send it back. And it was so much trial and error when it came to the box that finally we found one manufacturer. And the thing is also like we overpaid for the first box because we needed to get it right. So like we finally found a manufacturer in London. They made the boxes for us. We went for the first season. Then once we had the first sample, we were able to then find a different factory to make it and send them exactly what we wanted to create and then send them the tech drawing of like the new artwork. But yeah, I mean, the milk carton was 
a very difficult birth. <laughs> yeah, it is a birth. I like that term. So to all the listeners, if you could imagine this, you have a simple glass shelf in your office where you're probably displaying eyewear. You put two or three of these spilt milk eyewear cartons on that display. And I think people are going to naturally gravitate to the shelf. You know, that it's hard. And if you step back 20 feet from an eyewear display and look at glasses, it's a sea of frames. And even the, the brightest, colorful eyewear and funkiest shapes, from 20 feet back, they all look black and boring. And it's hard to differentiate. So I think these three-dimensional items and great point-of-purchase materials really need a, to bring things out. And we don't need a, a freaking uh, $1,000 display, locking display to bring eyewear out. I think I'm kind of over display features. I think it's annoying. They get dated really quickly. So I'd rather have just something nice at that last that's kind of affordable to offices. Totally. Yeah. And I think we've had fun after perfecting the shape of the carton. The artwork has been a lot of fun to kind of manipulate. So every series that we come out with, it comes in a different milk carton. So for series one, once series one is complete, it'll no longer be available and we're going to be kind of dropping new series along the way. So those milk cartons will eventually turn into collector's items. So you have an interesting kind of play on, on words here. You call your, your eyewear seasons, is that right? Series. Series, okay. Well, talk about how you came up with that idea and you know what was series one, what was series two, and kind of where you're going. Yeah, so series one was inspired, basically, if Tim Burton, David LaChapelle, and Grace Jones were to have a brainchild, that was the collection. So it was really kind of like inspired by like the 80s, the colors, like the 70s, 80s, the colors of the frames are like in very pop colors, but then we also have some neutral colors. So it was really to make the statement to like kind of release the brand and create an entrance. For series two, we refined the collection. It was basically designing a collection during the time of uncertainty. So the collection is inspired by the gift of curiosity, opening Pandora's box. So the second series is in a marble milk carton. All the frames are named after Greek gods. So essentially the consumer will attain the powers of the gods, essentially. Like that's kind of the concept behind it. So the nutrition facts on the milk cartons switch according to the series. And then, yeah, I mean, we played a lot with like new cellulose acetates from Mazzucchelli. We introduced a new temple in series two. So innovation is very important for the brand and to really come up with different shapes and colors and you kind of see the difference between. And then... Yeah, I mean, like every series is going to be like a, a new story. Okay. So, uh, you know, I'm on your Instagram and I've, <laughs> I'm just cracking up here. You have your eyewear milk carton next to like some Pellegrinos, Coffee Mate, <laughs> and eggs. I can just imagine if you did this within a um, retail presence at your optometry office or optical, if you just kind of put some random like cans of tomatoes and stuff next to the eyewear, people would just automatically gravitate to it because it's such a disconnect. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. We had one customer, she ordered a pair of frames and her cleaning lady put the milk carton in the fridge. <laughs> and she was like, she was going nuts looking for her glasses. And then 
she was like, did you see them? Did you see them? They, they delivered. And then the lady like opens the fridge and she shows her the milk carton. She's like, are you talking about this? She's like, no, no, it'll go bad if you don't put it in the fridge. And then she's like, no, they're not, it's not actually milk. <laughs> and so I was like, you know what? We did our job. You know, we yeah. took fashion out of context. Yeah, that's funny. You know, and I think a lot of times we look in the fridge for stuff besides food. I mean, I've lost my phone. I'm like, is it in the fridge? Because sometimes you just put things in random places. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it seemed appropriate to put it in the fridge. <laughs> right. Let's talk about diversity and inclusion. These are kind of hot buzzwords within the, the world right now. What does it mean in the, the spilt milk world? It's actually a very big inspiration of mine, like when really, or and my business partner when launching the brand. Really, the brand was born because I was in the subway and I saw this woman wearing these gorgeous designer glasses, but they didn't fit her face properly. So immediately I thought there must be a way to create adjustable frames. So that was a huge key component to finding our manufacturer was to really find the material that was malleable enough to shape according to the wearer's face. So we basically found this malleable titanium and stainless steel that this Japanese manufacturer had. And all the frames are adjustable. The nose pads and the temples are adjustable to fit every face. So kind of the essence of the brand is that people can share the same taste, but they don't share the same face. So hence why, why um, diversity and inclusion is really important to us. Yeah, I think we all experience that, especially when we're opticians and optometrists and we're very critical of a fit mm -hmm. when we see people in a subway or at a restaurant. And I mean, same thing probably for uh, someone who designs pants. You know, they're like, man, this guy's pants are not fit properly. You know, the, the taper is not right or who knows what. Yeah. But yet, I were definitely is we have to become more critical about it just because. It has to do with comfort, it has to do with optics, and, and a lot there. Looking for affordable, high-quality eyewear at a $19 wholesale price point that you could sell for $100 or more retail? Well, let me tell you about Vernon Gantry. It's a frame brand developed by two New York City optometrists named Scott and Pauline. And their goal was to help fellow eye care professionals compete in the ever-changing market. The Warbyization, the Zinni.com, everyone's going online to get cheap eyewear, and it's truly cheap and low quality. So what they did is they made their own frame line about three years ago now, actually. They eliminated the sales reps, the licensing fees, advertising costs, and employed traditional eyewear companies to manufacture their products and these are really high quality Chinese production and I 100% vouch for this brand no spring hinges quality acetates awesome metals and this actually feels like a brand you know those other brands they're the cheapo frame lines you get and kind of like welfare quality or a little above welfare this completely blows it out of the water comes with a nice leatherette folding case Go to the show notes in the podcast app here. Request a free frame. I will allow you to 
check it out, feel it, wear it, look at the quality of it, and you will want to bring in 30 pieces of this right away. 30 pieces is probably around $600 or so. And again, you're going to get 5, 6x markup out of these. They come with warranties. They're all new. Great bread and butter styles with even lots of color if you want that. And guess what? Vernon Gantry has kids frames too. Go to the link in the show notes, request that frame, fill out the form, and this will forever change your practice. You can make great package pricing out of these frames. You can use them with insurance. And it's even great for second pairs because sometimes people may buy a $600 pair for the first pair, but the second pair, they just want like 150 frame and lens. And this is perfect for it. This is gonna be your highest quality fashionable frame in the $19 price point. It will blow all the other budget companies out of the water. Give it a look. Now, let's talk about the wholesale side of this. Where do you fit in in terms of price point if you wanna talk about that, positioning yourself within offices? I I wanna kinda call out that this eyewear is not so radical like it's sounding through this speech. It, it is actually wearable. And whether you're selling middle price point product or super high-end product, there's a space for this within offices. Yeah, so series one, it's on a higher price point. When I was designing, I wasn't thinking about the cost. I was thinking about the quality. So we used reflective lenses. We used a lot of different materials, the hinge craft, the, the hand craftsmanship behind season one did take a lot more. So the price point of season or series one, I keep saying season, series one is between $350 and $400 retail. And then for series two, we explored acetates. We used kind of less material to create lighter weight. So series two is within a 200 to 250 price point. So series two actually ended up being our entry level. And then series one is aspirational. So it's more like, I believe that series one is, uh, is art. It's art pieces. When you wear it, when you hold it, you feel like you're holding a piece of art. It truly is a piece of art. I'm looking at one of your pairs that I wear. I think it's called Tyke. Is that it? T-Y-C-H-E. Yep. And the end piece, the temple end piece has gosh, how do I describe it? Like a geometric pointed shape. I've never seen it with like fascinating almost. I mean, the detail is crazy. So actually the temple on that is a milk drop. So if you can kind of see, it's like at the end, it kind of curves. So that was the consistency from the milk carton to the interior of the case to the temple. We take the milk drop and we kind of keep it cohesive throughout the collection. Got it. Okay. And talk to us about working with spilt milk. You know, what are your policies? How do we open accounts? So we had a special during Vision Expo. So it's a 15-piece minimum. That's basically our starting wholesale. Normally, it's 25, but we kind of had like a little special, which kind of moved pretty quick, which was nice. And then as soon as the order's paid, it's shipped. That's sort of our payment terms. Cool. Now, you were invited to Vision Expo to exhibit. You won some competition or something? Yeah. So it's funny. So Terrence, he's one of the directors for Vision Expo. He actually started following the brand really early on. Like he found us, I don't know how, and he DMs me and says like, hey, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to learn more about your brand. And I didn't really know who he was, but I was like, oh, he's interested. Like I should meet him. So 
I meet him, I show him the brand, he loves it. And he's like, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Then a few months later, he's like, hey, Vision Expo and the EDC FDA are looking for a new talent. You should apply. It's like a new thing. And, and I was like, Terrence, like, we're not, we're not fully established enough to be showing at an expo like this. And he was like, I think it's worth a shot. I think you should apply. And I was like, I don't think we'll win. Like, and he was like, well, there's no harm. So I was like, okay. The application was a very long and vigorous kind of process. They asked like a million questions. And I sat there and my sister's really good at writing copies. So I was sitting with her and I was brainstorming and I was like, you know, I want to kind of, I want someone to be able to understand the brand without me having to explain it and sit there. So we need to make sure that the way we translate this is like compelling enough. So we went, I, I can't even tell you how many times I rewrote my application. And I was like, I mean, could you include pictures or, or was it have to be all words? You just attach your lookbook, but it was mostly, okay. it was, yeah, mostly words like your website. And, but it was a lot of words, a lot of writing. And then we end up like submitting. And a few months later, like, I don't really hear back. So I'm like, okay, you know, it's okay. Like, I guess we just didn't really get anything. And I was like, moving on, like, I have to kind of just figure out our next steps. And then I get a call from Christian Roth. And I remember it was like the evening here. It was 3am in Dubai, where my business partner is from. And Christian Roth calls me. And he's, First of all, I was like, wait, Christian Roth is like the king of eyewear. Like, and he, is, he knows my phone number. He knows me. Like, this is crazy. You know, so I felt like that was a huge win. So he explains to me the process and how, how many applicants there were and how tough it was. And, you know, I, I just felt like he was being very kind to explain to me the process of how competitive it was. And then at the end of the call, he was like, and you won. And I was... Like, I think I threw my phone. Like, I was like, no way. Like, what a jokester. Yeah. And I was like, and, and I was like, wait, really? And he goes, yeah, we selected two winners and you were one of them. And I remember like, I immediately felt like so accomplished and I felt we did it. Even if like this whole thing didn't work and like whatever, like this was an achievement on its own. So I mean, then we were guided by the, the Vision Expo team during the pandemic. Christian, I like spoke to him a few times and I was telling him about our new series and how I wanted to kind of tell the story and like what shapes should I do and how should I recreate our temple and introduce something new. And he was guiding me along the way. And it was like, I was so lucky. And so it was amazing. And then being at Vision Expo and being the CFDA Vision Expo winner, I mean, they gave us such a platform. Like we we got the space for free. I got to speak on a panel. So yeah, I mean, it was super special for sure. Yeah, I really liked the area of Expo that you were exhibiting in. Number one, it was quiet. Number two, every single vendor there was like on par, on point. Like, I don't know how many were there, like maybe 15 in that little area. Yeah. I mean, everyone was so, so unique. And good price points, nothing outrageous and fair. Tell us about some of the the interactions you had at, at Expo. How was it meeting the you know the eye care world for the first time? What were some responses? Yeah, well, it's so funny you asked that because like prior to Expo, I mean, 
COVID really took us for a ride. I mean, we did not expect to see like sales plummet so low. It was really hard. We were turning into like a money pit. It was costing us so much to stay afloat. And when that happens, inspiration is lost. And as I mentioned, like I'm a designer, like I feed off of inspiration. So I was in a really rough spot prior to Expo and like to be there and to see like my peers doing the same thing. Like I met the brand next to us and like he was doing the same thing and and he did everything for his brand. And it was very similar to like my role with Spilt Milk where one day I'm doing accounting and one day I'm designing the new milk carton. So I mean, it was wonderful to just meet everyone at the expo. We ended up staying friends. The other winner was at the booth, you know, across from me. So we got to kind of bond and I got to learn about her brand. And it's funny because her brand's based in LA, my brand's based in New York. So we're like, we got the coasts covered, but it was special for sure. Yeah. What brand was that? The other winner? Taiki and Essit. Okay. I think I visited that one. For all the listeners here, please, please, please go to the show notes. And I'm going to put a, a form there if you want to get in touch with Judge and the brand. You're missing out if you're not going to check this eyewear out. Don't just look at the pictures and say, this is out of, out of my league. Because a lot of the pieces are modest, but there's also a good collection of really out-of-the-box stuff here. And like I said, the POP is just out of the grocery store here. <laughs> I was going to say out of the world, but I'll say out of the grocery store. Uh, you can find us in the nearest fridge. Yeah. What's on the roadmap, Judge, for Spilt Milk in 2022? Are we going to, or even 2021, are we going to see you at uh, Expo West? Yes, we will be there. I mean, I was talking to my team and I was like, we will be at every show now. <laughs> I mean, it was amazing for us. And, you know, it continues to be. And we really experienced some growth and I kind of got my inspiration back. We have some exciting things, some collaborations on the way. So a lot of special things for sure. Awesome. So again, yeah, guys, go to the show notes. You'll find a link there to a forum if you want to get in touch with, with Judge. And how are you doing kind of sales presentations now? Are, are you flying out and meeting people? Are you doing Zoom meetings to present the glasses or kind of traveling trunks? How do we feel it and touch it? Yeah, I mean, we're open. I'm in New York for now. Mostly everything's been happening via Zoom or we did get a few local accounts here. So I've gone to see accounts in, in the city, in Brooklyn. So if we're pretty close, I'll be there. I mean, we're talking to a few stores about upcoming and doing like pop-ups. So that'll happen soon. So yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, you tell me when and where and I'll be there. <laughs> Sounds good. Judge, keep spilling the milk there and love what you're doing. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for having me. It's been a, a pleasure talking to you about this. If you're loving this podcast and you're getting some proprietary information, please consider sharing this with some friends on Facebook, Instagram stories, or just drop a five-star review. Thank you so, so, so much. Have a great rest of the summer here. This brings us to the end of another episode of Entrepreneur, the podcast for Wizards of Eyes. Go ahead and click over to our website, entrepreneur.com, or head over to Facebook to join our special Facebook group, Entrepreneur. See you there.